welcome. It's good to be with you this weekend as we continue in our Generous Life series. We've been looking at what would it look like for us to open up every area of our lives and invite Jesus to lead us in all of those areas. We've kind of broken them down into four categories in our time, our talk, our talents, and uh, primarily focusing on our treasure. What does that look like when we open up, give these things over to Jesus and say, hey, we want you to lead in this area. And we're talking about treasure. Now, I know what you're thinking. It can get a little awkward when we talk about treasure in church. Maybe you're already starting to sweat. You're clenching a little. You're like, I don't really want to talk about this. It, it can get a little awkward when we talk about money, right? Treasure, money. We all got different lingo for money. Uh, maybe yours is bread. My personal favorite is bread. That's my favorite. Anybody familiar with the, with the term bread for money? Let's get this Bread. I came across a list of all kinds of other lingo. Uh, there's cash, Benjamins, uh, dough, Gouda, guap. Anybody know guap? The bacon. That's a good one. Paper, stacks, cheddar. You like cheddar? Cheddar. Chalupa. Um, and then bread. Of course, bread. Why are they all food? I don't know why. Why is everything, every, every nickname for money, food? Uh, let's get this bread. Really means let's make some money. You could also use the phrase, let's gain this grain. Um, that's a good one. Let's beast this yeast. Or my personal favorite, let's finagle the bagel. But that is beside the point. Let's make some money. And if we're all being a little honest, we wouldn't be upset making a little more money, right? We wouldn't be upset if we could get a little bit more bread in our wallet or in our bank account. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with wanting maybe a bigger salary. If you feel like you've earned it, you want maybe some more money for your family, for, for some resources or in your business, right? There's nothing inherently wrong with that, right? But what can happen in our Western culture, in our pursuit of the American dream is we can adopt a life of greed rather than accepting the invitation to the generous life. Chasing the American dream. We can miss out on the opportunities in the generous life that Jesus invites us to. Paul quotes Jesus saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's a really cool idea. That's a pretty hard thing to implement into our daily lives. But this is the life that Jesus invites us to. Generosity is a muscle that is expected to grow. Jesus expects us to grow as followers of Jesus in that area. And for some of us, some of those other T's, they're a little easier. For some of us, it's a little easier to give our time, our talk, and maybe our talents. And when it comes to our treasure, it can get kind of hard. And I think Jesus knew this. That's why he talked about money so much. You could argue that second to the kingdom of God, money is the thing talked about the most by Jesus. He talks about money more than he talks about heaven, more than he talks about hell, and more than he talks about eternity. 17 of Jesus' 39 parables are about money. Some scholars would even, would even add up that 25% of Jesus' teaching revolves around money. Now, he may be using money as an illustration to get to a larger point, or money may be the focal point of that teaching. Regardless, Jesus talks about money. He knew that all of us could relate to the topic, whether we have a lot, whether we have a little, whether we'd like more, or whether we are completely content. Money is powerful. Money is fire. It can light up your eyes. It can guide your every step. It can keep you warm, and it can also burn 
you down. And here's my issue. I'd much rather talk to you about another topic today, all right? Just being completely honest. I don't really want to talk to you about money. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, right? I don't, I don't want anything to get awkward between you and me. I don't want you to think that I or the church am just after your money. And I know, I know the stigma that comes with some churches, that there's some deception and there's some private jets out there for people who don't need private jets. And I get it, right? I know there's some churches that, 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 that oftentimes like, like we can get it confused, maybe confuse money that, as if it's like a salvation issue. And if you have a lot, you have good faith. And if you have a little, it means your faith is, is, is small. And, and that's not the case. I'd much rather talk to you about, hey, love your neighbor or have hope in the darkness, right? Those are like fun things that I'd rather talk to you about. However, the gospel does not let us ignore this topic. And so I've come to the conclusion that for me to ignore or to dance around the topic of money and finances would not only be opposite of the way of Jesus, but it would be a disservice to you. It'd be a disservice to all of us to ignore what Jesus has to say about our finances. That's why this series is titled The Generous Life, because it is not just about money. It is about every part of my life being submitted to Jesus, saying, God, I want you to lead me in this area so that I can become a generous person. Jesus is inviting us to a new way of living that is rooted in him and that is driven by love. So how do we do this? How do we live generously? I want to talk to you this weekend about the mechanics of generosity, the mechanics, how we actually do this. And to do that, we're going to be camping out in a story that takes place in the gospel of Luke. You turn to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 11. And what's going on here, Jesus has kind of been traveling and teaching and all of the crowds are gathering. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time, aren't too keen on what Jesus is teaching. And so they invite him over for a meal hoping they can trap him. And this is what it says, picking up in verse 37. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees, you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mints and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others." So imagine inviting somebody over for dinner for a meal, and they not only refuse to wash their hands before dinner, but then they begin making fun of you and your friends <laughs> and like telling you you're doing life wrong, right? If I were the Pharisees, I'd be a little upset too, right? I'd be a little annoyed at what Jesus is saying. But there's a lot more going on than just washing your hands, right? Than going to the bathroom using a nice foamy soap and a warm cloth and a couple squirts of lotion or hand sanitizer, right? There, there's something going on that's a lot bigger than that. Jewish tradition would have you wash completely before eating a meal as you came into the house after coming out of the town or the village, so not to contaminate yourselves with non-Jewish people, so that you would not be contaminated by the other, 
by the other people, by the sinners. Author R.C. Foster writes it this way. The Greek verb that's used here is baptizo, which means to immerse. The Greco-Roman palaces of the rich Pharisees had abundant facilities for taking a bath. The Pharisee evidently had, had been very meticulous about taking a bath to rid himself of any possible ceremonial defilement from having touched sinful people in the midst of the crowd that thronged upon Jesus. So what Jesus is doing is not an act of defiance or disrespect towards the Pharisees. This is an act of protest towards the injustice that was happening, that was being led by the church leaders at the time. And so his rebuke is, hey, you, you are washing the outside of the cup. The outside of the cup looks great, but the inside, your hearts are still contaminated. Right, it's washing the outside of the mug while leaving the inside filled with coffee and filth and letting that sit. R.C. Foster continues, he says it this way, what folly to imagine that they could please God by cleansing material things while neglecting God's choicest creation as they left their souls polluted and full of corruption. Jesus then moves the conversation into their giving and how they are living, specifically tithing. He says the word tithe. Now, we've mentioned tithe throughout this series. A tithe just means 10. It means 10%. That is what a tithe is. And Jesus is referring to a Jewish tradition of giving 10% back to God, to the church. This idea, it originates in the Old Testament, years before this moment. The first instance that we see of tithing happens in Genesis 14. This is what it says. Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of God most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Abram gives his tithe to the high priest. The high priest in these days was essentially the representative for the people and for God, the mediator. He represented the people to God and he represented God back to the people. And so Abram gives the, the representative of God this tithe as a sign of where his heart is, as a sign of his faith, not only in God, but his heart for his people. We see the number 10 often throughout the Bible, and oftentimes it is used as a sign of testing. God is testing the heart of Abram in this moment to see where his faith aligns. We'll do a little quiz here. You can shout out the answer if you know it. How many plagues in the Old Testament were there in the book of Exodus? How many plagues? 10, 10 plagues. Good job. That was kind of a layup. That was a little easy. I kind of set you up for that, right? But God does this to test the heart of Pharaoh. How many commandments are there? The 10 commandments, right? God is testing the hearts of his people. How many days was Daniel tested? Even if you don't know it, you just, honestly, I think we know the answer, right? How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? And there you go. And how many disciples were there? 
Oh, 12. I got you. Got you. Raise your hand. Did I get you? That was too easy. Come on. Hey, I love what author Naveen Ritchie says. She says, God ordains tests for us, not for his sake, but for ours. They're not for his sake, but they are for ours. This isn't like an act of, hey, hey, God is like, hey, do this to show me you love me, right? Like a boyfriend or girlfriend trying to maybe test out some things to see if you really love them, right? That's not what's going on here. This isn't a do this to show me how much you love me. This is an invitation to trust God. This is an invitation to see where our hearts are aligned. Who is it? that we would say the Lord and the ruler and the leader of our lives are? Who is it that we would put our faith in our entire lives, especially in our treasure? Who is it that we would say our heart is aligned here? That is the invitation on the table. God is inviting us to trust him, to see that he is good, to see that he is faithful. But Jesus moves on from tithing quickly And he takes it a little bit deeper. He takes it even further than what the Pharisees are used to. Let's go back to Luke 11. In another translation, it's phrased this way. Jesus says to the Pharisees, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Do not neglect the more important things. See, the religious leaders had gotten so comfortable doing the bare minimum. They'd gotten so comfortable just doing whatever to like check it off of a list, right? Hey, the outside of the cup is clean. That's it. But nothing on the inside. No internal transformation. They were doing everything to show that they were religious people, but nothing to show that they had a personal relationship with Jesus doing all the religious things, checking off the boxes, but nothing to show that relationship with Jesus, that transformation of the corrupted soul. Let's go back to our our bread over here. Uh, Man, this is good looking bread. Sourdough. Anybody like sourdough? Sourdough, great harvest, bakery. Shout out great harvest. Let me get my apron on. We'll do this. Um, Right, this this is us, right? This is our bread. We'll get this going. We got a little butter too. Anybody like bread? You want a slice? I'm not gonna pass out slices, but I will. I will taste it for you. All right, we'll butter this up. Get a good bite going. Here we go. That's good. Oh yeah, that is really good. That's good bread, right? Now you may. Sorry, I don't want to talk in my mouthful. You may have some good bread, right, in your life. You might got a high bank account, right? You got the things. I got all the bread. Guy, here's my bread, right? Let me get some water. We got bread, right? Now, what can happen is we can get like, hey, here's all our bread, and, and, and I'm going to take one slice. This is easy. I actually did this for you. I cut it already into 10 pieces, all right? 10 pieces. So this is our tithe, okay? This is our tithe, one piece, okay? And this is what is invited. This is what the Pharisees were doing. There we go. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. It's nice. It's fresh. I'll get you some later. All right. This is what the Pharisees are doing. They're saying, God, here's my tithe. Here's my slice. And and that's good, 
Right, that is great. That is, that is what God wants. That is what God is, is asking. That God is saying, hey, hey, the tithe, right? And that's great. So, so we're given this slice. But, but what the Pharisees were missing was the heart behind it all. For the Pharisees, this had become so easy. This was a throwaway thing. Friends, let me put it this way. God is not just after one slice of your bread. God's not just after one slice of your bread. He wants the whole loaf. He wants the butter. He wants the knife. He wants the board. He wants the table. He wants the apron. He wants the whole bakery. Let me put it this way. God is not after 10% of your money. He's after 100% of you. He's not after 10% of your money. God wants 100% of your heart. He's saying, would you trust me with the slice? But would you actually trust me with every part of your life? And the Pharisees, man, they were missing it. Because it's not just about 10%. It's about giving in my whole heart. And it's in this moment that we can become people of generosity. That we can become people who would say, God, here's my life. God, here I am living with an open hand. With an open heart, God, here's my family, here's my finances, God, here's my business, here is everything. And it's then, friends, then, in this moment, when we give him the whole bakery, that it's his kindness, it's his mercy, it's his love, it's his generosity that is flowing through us living our lives, opening every area, saying, God, here's my time. Here's my talents. Here's my talk. Here's my treasure. God, you can have it all. It's not just the outside of the cup. God, would you cleanse the whole thing? God, would this not be a, a, a check of checkbox, but would this be a cleansing of our hearts that would overflow into the lives of others? So how do we do this? How do we actually embrace the life that Jesus is inviting us to? What does that look like? What, what do, how do we accept this invitation? I want to introduce you real quick to a couple who embraced the mechanics of the generous life. Check this out. Hi, I'm Tracy Thompson. And I'm Dave Thompson. And we've been going to the Waukesha campus for probably 10 years now. When we were Catholic, we were reluctant givers. Um, we, 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 we gave out of obligation. And here, I believe we're part of the mission of making more and better followers of Jesus. You know, we look at the church plants. We look at the Habitat for Humanity stuff. We look at all the meal packing, packing that gets done every November here. Um, and so, so we see all that, and, and that's, that's uh, all the outre outreach events, and it just seems like there's always something that River Glen is doing in the community, which is positively impacting the community, and, and we just love to be a part of that. When we sat down and made the decision, like every married couple, money is one of probably the biggest challenges to get on the same page with. I, I had never heard the term tithe or have it, had it defined before, and he defined that at one point, and I thought, 10%, holy cow, you know? God will do more in your life with the 90% if you give the 10. And we've lived that. We've seen ever since that day where we, we made that decision, our life monetarily has been better. 
and what a great feeling when you start tithing and especially when they have the automatic just comes out of your account god sees it's his money anyway and it's it's just our job to manage it manage it well and you think about the the parable of the talents right and so um you know that the the, um, the the ones that managed it well were rewarded and, and so they just kind of look at that there was never a moment where our necessities weren't filled there might be times where all right, we're not going to eat out this month or do any extra stuff. Um, but that didn't last long. And we just kept growing and growing. And when we give generously, God sees it. And, um, you know, we're supposed to be obedient. And it also gives us, um, makes us feel grateful. And when I'm able to bless someone, that's when I feel the most blessed, and it brings so much joy to my life. And I just wish everyone could feel, <laughs> could feel that. And, and I think if you do start tithing, um, you will. Yeah, so good. <clears throat> what would your life look like if you embraced the mechanics of generosity? accepting this invitation from Jesus to live in a new way, to live a generous life. There's three things that I, that I think some next steps for us. The first thing is just to start giving, just to start. That, that may be a first step for you. Maybe it's something that you're new to, just to, just, hey, I want to start. And maybe it's starting with 10%, right? I'm just going to start at 10%. I like 10 personally because I'm dumb and it's really easy to remember numbers, okay? 10% makes it super simple. I got 10 slices, I'll just use one, right? That's easy for me. That helps me. And so for some of you, man, this may be a really easy or practical place to start. 10%, we're just going to start here, start trusting God, given this, it's, it's practical. For some of you, this may be hard. This may be a difficult thing, 10%. Maybe that's the goal one day. There's, yeah, start at five. Start where you can. Start with, with where you are, with what God has given you, and begin to grow that muscle. It is a muscle that is expected to take time to grow. So start wherever you can, just trusting God, giving to God. For my wife and I, for Kaylee and I, we just have it set up, like she mentioned in the video, to, to come out automatically. Because we, we, we just want it to be the first thing that happens. We get paid, that thing comes out, it, it comes out of our account, it's the first thing that happens. We want it to be the first thing that we do when we get paid. And honestly, if I'm being honest, I need it out of my account so my grubby little hands don't get a hold of it, okay? I need that thing out of here before I can start shopping or doing anything that I want, right? And here's what I've learned. I have learned that, that, that God is more trustworthy with nine than I am with all 10. God is, is more faithful. God is more good in my life with nine pieces than I am with, with all 10, with, than I am with keeping everything to myself. We can trust him in this area. So we want to invite you to put this to practice. We are kicking off a 90-day tithing challenge, a 90-day tithing challenge. For the next 90 days, committing, hey, we're, we're going to commit to this, be a family of generosity, right? Accepting that invitation. And here's the question, by May, by the end of May, who could you become? Who could you become by the end of May? Who, 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 how could you grow? How could your faith grow? How could that generosity muscle grow? How could your trust and reliance 
and faith on God, in God, how could that grow in 90 days committing in this area? What could your faith look like trusting him in all of these areas? Here's how you do it. It's simple. There's a number up there. I'm going to do it with you, all right? We can do this together. Uh, You just text it. So you go into your messenger. Now, this is for if you want to start for the first time. Maybe you already are, but you want to join with us. That's okay. You can join in the challenge as well. And here's what you're going to get. You're going to get a link when you sign up. You're going to get a link, and you're going to get weekly encouragement to continue pushing you and encouraging you. So maybe you're new, maybe you've stopped and you wanna come back to this and maybe you're doing it, you wanna get the weekly short, I'll do it with you, all right? We'll fill it out. Text bless to the number up there, 262-500-4004. All right, and we're just texting bless. Text bless, I did it. Sweet. All right, we're getting the link. We're going to get encouraged. Hey, if you didn't want to use your phone, I just did it right there. If you didn't want to use your phone, you can also just grab the welcome card that is on the back of the seat in front of you. Fill that out. You put your name, contact, and just write, I commit. Just say, I commit to the 90-day challenge. We'll get you all set up. We'll get you that link. We'll send you that weekly encouragement. Wherever you're at, let's start. Let's commit for 90 days. And I'm going to be honest with you. Let's say end of May, after 90 days, you're just like, yeah, that was a waste of time. I regret it. I feel like God hasn't been faithful. I feel like God hasn't blessed me. I feel like God hasn't met me where I'm at. I feel like I just haven't grown. We will give you a full refund. You, you reach out to us, our bookkeeper. We will refund you everything over the 90 days. Because friends, it's not about the money. It's about living a life of generosity. It is about experiencing the joy that comes from following in Jesus' footsteps with generosity. And so if you feel like after 90 days, we will give that all back because we just want you to understand the joy of giving. And number two is this. Number two is sacrificial giving, moving to a life of sacrificial giving. Pastor Tyler Staten puts it this way. Tithing was nothing more than training wheels for the people of God to learn the movements of radical generosity. We're not commanded to tithe, but we're invited to something beyond it. We're invited to something beyond it. That is the generous life. That's the generous life. To ask yourself the question, what would be a sacrifice? In my finances, for our family, honestly, what would be a stretch? What would pinch a little? What might hurt? What might be a big step of faith? I don't know what that number is for you. Maybe that's 10. Maybe it's more. Maybe it's less. See, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees because they were comfortable. Because for them, giving and and generosity became easy and seamless. They were doing the bare minimum. And Jesus invites them to kick off the training wheels and embrace a life of justice and love and generosity filled with joy. Author C.S. Lewis writes this, acknowledge the premacy of Christ over all things. If materialism and greed are the sickness of our age, then sacrificial generosity is the cure. Living a life of generosity is the cure to the greed and pain in our world. The third thing is this, this is what will happen. You'll set yourself free. You will set yourself free. See, generosity, sacrificial living, tithing, all of that is not a burden 
that God wants to put on you, but rather a breaking of the chains that bind us to greed and more and financial anxiety. When we implement the mechanics of generosity, we set ourselves free. Because friends, at some point, the fire goes out. At some point, it is all gone. All the dough, the bacon, the chalupa, the bread, it all turns to dust. I hate to break it to you, there are no ATMs in heaven. There's no bank accounts. There's no checkbooks. There's no NFTs. There's no Venmo. There's no piggy banks. There is just one investment. And it is your life, your being, your belongings, every part of you in the hands of a trustworthy and faithful God. That's it. That's at the end. So enjoy the bread. Share the bread and trust God with it all. Before Jesus gets to the the dinner at the Pharisee's house, he does a teaching on prayer. And he says this as a part of that prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Friends, he'll take care of your bread. You could trust him. With every area of your life, he will provide for you. The text that we read earlier about Abram, about Abram giving the tithe, this came immediately after God gave him victory over his enemies. This is what the text says. We'll jump a little bit earlier where we read. After Abram returned from his victory over Kedolamir and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheva. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. And Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who has defeated your enemies for you. Friends, God was faithful to Abraham. God was faithful in giving him the victory. And it led him to have no other response but to worship him. No other response but to to give back to God what God had blessed him with. To, To just respond in worshiping him through generosity. The story actually goes on to say that Abram didn't just give 10% to Melchizedek. He ends up giving almost everything away to his allies, his friends, and neighboring areas so they can have resources, so they can have food. Friends, God has been so generous to us. Spoiler alert, we know how the story ends. He wins. He is victorious. Jesus is victorious. Friends, we have victory. In the end, we win. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we can have victory through what Jesus did on the cross. And I don't know about you, but for me, there is only one response to worship God with my time, with my talk, with my talents, with my treasure, with my entire being. To throw up our hands in gratitude 
See, we don't give to get. There's blessing and, and God will provide for you and meet you there. But we, that's not why we give. We give because God has been so generous. We give as a response to the goodness and kindness and love of our Father. So worship God for 90 days in this tithe challenge. Worship him in this way. Worship God by, by, by going beyond and living sacrificially. Worship God by setting yourself free and trusting all of it in the hands of Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, we are just grateful. God, we're grateful that you would see us, that you would pursue us. God, that you would bless us. So God, in this moment, would, would you open our eyes to see all of those blessings, all of those promises, all of those fulfillments, and all of those victories. God, would you stir something in us to join you on mission by making more and better followers of Jesus. God, would we not just give you the slice, would we give you every part of our lives? Would you lead us? Would you challenge us? Would you cleanse not just the outside, God, but the inside? God, here is our soul. Would you make us generous people? Would you make us a generous church? God, we love you and we thank you. It is in your name we pray. Amen.